0: All right, so Proverbs 18, verse 21, simple verse and simple concept today. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Can everyone just look up here and just read this with me? One, two, three. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Just say it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There is power in our words. Our words carry the power to release life into our lives, into our situation, into our circumstances, into our cities and into nations, into other people's lives. Our words have power to release life or to release death. We're just diving right into what the Lord is saying to you. Let me, let me just listen to what the Lord is saying. The Lord is saying, if you will change your words, it will change your life. Did you hear what Jesus is saying to His church today? Right? Jesus is saying to you right now, son, daughter, if you will listen to me, hear what I'm saying to you. If you will change your words... It will change your life. That's what the Lord is saying to His church today. That's it, we're done. Let's (laughs) let's go into this. Let's build up our faith. Figure out what the Lord is saying to us. But I want you to understand, that is what the Lord is saying. The Lord is telling you, you're like, what do I do? What do I do? How do I get freedom in my life? You have desires that you have for your life. You want God to do some things in your life. You may, not, you may be here and you don't even believe in God, but you want some things to change. <laughs> you want some things to happen. I'm telling you, Jesus is telling you right now, if you will change your words, it will change your life. Because your words have the power of life and death in them. When you speak, you have that kind of authority in your life and even in the, people, in the lives of people around you. See, the whole world has been created by words. God created the world with words. Right? God said, let there be light, and there was light. The whole world was created with words. This whole world functions on words. Right? It's words that create realities. It's words that change culture. It's words that shape our life. It's words Is it not, right? You tell a kid over and over and over again, you're dumb. What's going to happen? They've done studies. We were made in the image of God, right? God spoke the world into existence. The very creation of this world is founded on words. And He made us in His image. And He gave us His authority on this earth. So that when we speak words, it releases those things. We can speak life over our life, over our future, over our marriage, over other people's lives, or we can speak death. And what you speak, when you believe it in your heart, it releases that reality. We're not talking about weird superstition. We're talking about coming into agreement with God's Word. In fact, those of you who know, we've been in a series. We've been focusing on Matthew 13, and we've been letting Jesus teach us about how He gets His kingdom on earth. Right? How he gets his will done in our lives. Matthew 13 is the story of the farmer sowing seed. Right? The farmer is sowing seed on the four different soils hard soil, rocky soil, thorny soil, good soil. Right? And Jesus is trying to explain how God gets his will done in our lives. This is Jesus, the Savior of the world who came to give life and life to the fools? who came to save, who came to deliver, who came to heal. Jesus, who wants to get God's will done in our lives. And what did He do? He came teaching. He didn't come with, a, with a, like a quick fix, did He? He came teaching the Word. And yes, He demonstrated the truth of God's Word in healing and deliverance and all that. But He came teaching the Word. And He came saying... Yes, this is what God wants to do in your life. God wants to get His will done in your life. He wants to see His promises released in your life. God wants to see His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Here's how it happens. The Word comes to you like a seed. And only the person who receives the Word and believes the Word and holds on to the Word and won't let anything steal the Word out of their heart or distract them, only that person gets the fruit of the kingdom. See, a lot of people think that, well, you know, if God wants to do it, He'll just do it. Well, you know, if it's His will, you know, it's just, things happen because of God's sovereign will. Look, the problems in this world are not because of God's sovereign will. God is absolutely sovereign. But that's not the reason why this world is broken and fallen. Jesus makes it very clear. The reason why there's pain and suffering in this world is because human beings do not agree with His sovereign will. Because human beings have not come into agreement and alignment with the will of Jesus. And so Jesus came to earth to bring human beings back to God and say, If you will believe God's word, if you will believe what He says is true, you'll come into agreement and you'll hold on to that word, it will produce fruit. Why? Because God's word has the power to change our lives. Jesus said, or I'm sorry, Isaiah 55 said, so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return void. Right? God's word has the power to perform in us what he says. This is not like any other book, right? This is the word of God, the God breathed word. And this book, God's words, have the power to change us and to cause to happen what God says. And the reason Jesus is explaining to us, we've been learning this for weeks now. The reason why sometimes it doesn't happen is not because it wasn't God's will. No, it's God's will to see these things happen in our life. But we're the variable, right? The seed, the Word of God is the constant, but the four soils, those are the variables. And so, though it is obviously always by God's grace and the power of His Word, though it is always God's sovereign will, it's not like we can just make something happen on our own, but He says, it's only the person who will believe My Word and hold on to it who won't get disappointed and get offended at God, and mad and uptight when bad things happen. Right? The person who goes through those hard times, they still got those lies in their thinking about God. And they're tripping over these lies that they're believing about God. They're getting mad at God. What happens? That person is tripping over that stuff in their life, getting offended at God. The seed gets stolen out of their heart. The enemy comes, bam, takes that stuff right out. But he also says... That person can hold on to the seed and not be distracted with the deceitfulness of wealth, covetousness, greed, the pleasures of this life, worry, fear. Every time we give in to those things, man, it steals the seed out of our heart. And Jesus has been teaching us how to stand on His Word and hold on to His Word with patient, patient faith. But this, this principle that I, we're gonna, that, we're, that I just said, Jesus is trying to teach us, it will change our words, it will change our life. This, this is how you grow the seed into a harvest. This is how you hold on to the Word with patient faith that does not give up. Remember, patient faith is faith that believes God the same before, during the trial as before the trial, believes God and perseveres the same in the fourth quarter as in the first quarter, Right? Patient, fully convinced faith that will not let up and will not let go. I'm going to believe what God said even when everything else says it's not going to happen. Even when everything else says I don't, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Patient faith says I'm going to believe what God said. This, this principle that your words shape the direction of your life, your words will make or break you. Your words will cause you either to succeed in what God has for you, His will for your life, or to fail. Your words. And if you change your words, from what you, where they're at right now, it will change your life. Because this principle is so vital to understanding how the kingdom operates. We're talking about how the whole thing works. Right? How you can see your prayers answered according to God's will. How you can see what God wants done happen in your life. But this also applies to the kingdom I mean, the bigger picture. This is how nations become disciples of Jesus, receive blessing from God and justice to transform economic and political systems. This is how the whole thing works. A seed goes into a heart and produces fruit. This is how the whole thing works. And what the Lord is trying to help us to understand is that the way that you hold on to the Word, the way that you walk in patient faith to allow God's Word to do what God's Word can do, It's aligning your words with God's Word. I mean, think about it. His Word is the most powerful Word. It's the most true Word. It's the most sure Word. And if you'll say what this says, what God says, what will be the results? You'll get what the Word says. If you come into agreement with the reality of God's Word and you agree, believe it in your heart, and you speak it with your mouth, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you'll believe it in your heart, and speak it out with your words, you'll get these results. You'll get the results of the Word of God, right? The Word, just because it's in the book, just because there's promises in here, just because there's truths and realities in here, doesn't mean it's going to happen for you automatically. It'll just happen. No, things don't just happen. All the miracles in the Bible didn't just happen. Well, you know, it's because God just wanted it to happen. No, it's because some human being believed Him and came into agreement and spoke God's word. Isn't this how it worked with Jesus? Isn't this how He explains how everything works in the kingdom? Didn't He say when you speak to that mountain and you believe in your heart that what you say will happen, that mountain will move? Didn't He say that's how it works? Didn't He say that's how I cast out demons? That's how I heal people? Isn't that what he said? I mean, come on. When he was in the storm, in the boat, and the disciples were like, we're going to die. What did he do? Get up and wink at the storm? Right? What did he do? The legion of demons. Did he like flex his muscles? Get up. up? What did he do? He spoke words. Words. He didn't wink at the storm. He spoke words. Why? Because this is how the kingdom works. When you believe something in your heart and you speak it out, it releases that reality. If you believe the lies of the enemy, if you believe the humanistic philosophies of this culture, and you speak it out, it will release those realities into your life, into other people's lives, into this culture. But if you believe God's Word, and you speak that out with faith, it will release that harvest. It will produce those results. If you want human results, if you want more of what you've got, keep speaking those words. Right? You want human results? Speak human words. You want supernatural results. You want heaven results. Jesus is telling us how it happened. You speak heavenly words. How do you talk over your life? What are your words over your life? Think about it. What are you saying over your marriage? What words are you speaking over your marriage? Over your spouse? You're sowing those seeds, those words Galatians 6 says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. If you're sowing words of death, judgment, lack, poverty, weakness, into your own heart, into your own body, into your own marriage, that's what you're going to get. But if you'll agree with God and speak His word... His truth over your heart, over your life, over your marriage. That's what you'll get. What are you saying over your marriage? What are you saying? And is what you're saying what God is saying? Because if it's not, you're not going to get His results. What are you saying over your own heart? Over your own life? What do you say about yourself over your own self-worth? Over your physical image? Do you say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made? I'm beautiful because God made me. He delights in me. Or What do you say? I'm ugly. I'm overweight. Is that what you say? Speaking those words of death over your life? What do you say over your children? Look, this this isn't just when they hear you. This isn't just when your wife or your husband hears you. What are you saying over them in the spiritual realm that is sowing seeds not only into their spirit, but into the spiritual realm? What are you saying when nobody else is listening? What are you saying with that one friend? Well, I'm just being honest, man. I'm just being being real. I'm just saying, hey, I'm just calling it like I see it. You know, a fool does what's right in his own eyes. You know that, right? A fool does what's right in his own eye. I'm just calling it like I see it. I'm just being me, Just being honest, being free. We, we have exalted authenticity above the truth of the Word of God in our postmodern culture. Have we not? We get those results then. But you want God's results. Then you'll bring your words into alignment. I'm not talking about being fake and religious. I'm not saying you can't be honest. But what are you saying when you're with that friend? What are you saying when you're with that one person that you feel that you can be real with Good, I'm glad you can be real with them. Because we don't like fake. <laughs> but what are you saying? What are you saying in the trial? What are you saying when you're in the storm, in the wilderness, in the desert, in the fire? What are you saying when you get that bill in the mail? What's coming out of your heart? Why? Because the pressures squeeze your heart. And when out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in there, whatever you really believe, it's going to come out. And when it comes out, it releases those things. Do you speak lack over your finances? Oh man, I don't know how we're going to pay for this. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. What do your words reveal? What do your words reveal? That you are your provider. That you can't see any way for that thing to be paid for because you are your provider. That's what you believe because that's what's coming out of your mouth when those bills come. I don't see any other way. I don't know. Oh, I'm so worried. I'm so scared. Then that's what's coming out of your mouth. That's what you get. Do you see what I'm saying? What are you saying over your kids when no one hears you? Man, he's so lazy. Guess what? That's what you're sowing into your kid's heart. So rebellious. That's what you're sowing into your kid's heart. What are you saying over yourself? I'm such a sinner. That's what you're going to get. You wonder why you're struggling. Well, one, probably because you're s- sowing seeds into your heart that aren't good. It's also what's coming into you. Listening to music, watching TV that's maybe impure or something like that. Oh, I wonder why I'm struggling with impure thoughts. Because uh, you're driving in your car singing, singing, yeah, you know, girlfriend, or whatever song you want to sing on the radio. No, I'm just... I'm just and we, had a, we, had, we were at the wedding, we had a great time, but there was this song with a cool beat. I was like, that's a cool beat, I have heard that song before. And all of a sudden, I never actually heard anything other than like maybe the first part of the song. And I, all of a sudden I was like, what did that guy just say? What did he say? Ooh. Inside, inside. I didn't make the facial expressions, but inside I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not singing that song. <laughs> I don't want to even hear that. But, I, you know, it's a good beat and everything, but I went, oh my goodness. Man, no wonder people struggle, they're all singing, they don't even know what they're saying, Right? So in those words into our hearts, what, what, what are you saying over yourself though when you're struggling? What are you saying over, your, over yourself? What are you saying over your future marriage? What are you saying when you're lonely? What are you saying when you're struggling? What are you saying over your physical body? Is what you're saying over your health and your finances, is it what the Word says? Is it what the Word says? Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Man. Man, I love you guys so much. I just, I pray. I cry out to God that we would catch these things. And I'm excited because a lot of us, we've been really growing in our faith, haven't we? When learning how to believe God and not to be distracted, not to be deceived by just circumstances and things like that. But I'm telling you, you can flood your heart with the Word of God and you can believe God, but until you change your words, it will not change your life. It will not change the circumstances. Your words will tell you if you really believe what God is saying. And your words will release those realities. Look at Joshua chapter 1. We're just going to read verse 7 and 8. You remember that Joshua is like 80 years old and he's been given the assignment to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. God made a promise hundreds of years before this to Abraham. I will give your descendants this promised land. And God in this book of Joshua is fulfilling His promise. Why? Because God never forgets. God never changes His mind. Well, you know, I don't really want to do it for you. He's not a picker and a chooser. Well, I liked Abraham, but you know, you Israelites. No, because I swore it to Abraham. I made a blood covenant with Abraham. I'm going to do it for you. I promised, and I'm not a man that I should lie. Right? He makes promises. He will bring it to pass. Okay, so he made this promise to Abraham, and now he's talking to Joshua as Joshua prepares to lead the nation into this promised land. Just like we have promises from God. We have a covenant that God made with us by the blood of His Son, Jesus. And the New Testament says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That is our covenant, right? A new covenant, a new and everlasting covenant founded on better promises. The better covenant founded on better promises than even the Old Testament. And yet here's what God says to Joshua, verse 7 and 8. Only be strong and very courageous And of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is how the kingdom works. I mean, do you see? This is Matthew 13 all over it. I, God says, will to bring you into the promised land. But Joshua, you need to do something too. It's not works, it's not earning it, it's not complicated. It's not you need to be perfect and, and do all these million things and then I'll be pleased with you. No, I'm already pleased with you. You already have my grace. You already have my favor. You already have my promises. That's not the issue. See, Jesus is so good that He paid for everything so that the only thing left for us to do would be just to believe. It, that's good stuff. I mean, do you see that? We turn faith into something of like, oh, I've got to believe God. What are you talking about? He died to deal with all of our sin and our rebellion, to make us right with God, so that all we would have to do is just... oh, That's all i got to do? You mean like I, I get to sa- saved? I get all my sin forgiven. Wait, wait. Let me get this straight. Forgiven? I get to go to heaven? I get to make all the promises of the kingdom? Like, Are you serious? Like I'm a son of God and an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ? You're serious. And you're saying I just have to believe. Yes, you believe in your heart. You confess that Jesus is your Lord, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Dude, he dealt with it all. It's simple, you know what I'm saying? It's not easy to do, but it's simple. <laughs> it's absolutely simple. And he, and here he is talking to Joshua. And he is saying, listen, he's saying, be strong and of good courage. You know, sometimes we read that. We read commands in the Bible and we think that God's like, now first step, jumped over the moon. Okay? Then I want you to Swim to the depths of the ocean. I mean, it, this is not, you know, this is not rocket science. This is, he's not asking him to do the impossible. He's saying, be strong, be courageous. Why does he need to be strong and courageous? Oh, my goodness, he's got to go in and lead these people in and fight these big giants and do all this kind of stuff, right? He, why do we need strength on the inside of us? Well, you ever wake up on Monday and all of a sudden you're being attacked with temptation and discouragement and all that? Why do you need strength on the inside? Because we live in a broken, fallen world. I, remember, I still remember this when I was in uh, sixth grade. Yeah. I went to a, a spirit-filled church when I was in sixth grade, before I was saved and everything. But it was a powerful uh, seed that was planted in my heart. I go to this church and they're all like singing, you know, with their hands raised and got the drums and everything. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool, you know. Had the overhead. They didn't have projectors back then. And I still remember this one message. I mean, I was like 6th grade, but I would listen to the message with my sister, would listen to the pastor, you know, great guy like me. And No, I'm just messing. And um, I still remember him talking about the Christian life being like a person walking on a conveyor belt the wrong way while everyone else is going the, right, you know, going the way on the conveyor belt. They're just, they're just standing there floating along. Wee, this is fun. It's like, you know, complacency. But what does Proverbs 1 say? The complacency of fools destroys them, Right? They're going the wrong direction into destruction, and we were just like, "Why is this so hard?" Because you're, you're going the wrong way of the world; you're just going the right way of the kingdom, right? I still remember that picture of just swimming upstream, and something about Mastercard and stuff. I had no idea what he was talking about back then. Now I do. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, that picture still sticks in my head. We were literally we're going upstream, we're going against the grain. So what happens? You need strength and courage, don't you? You know you need strength and courage when that temptation comes at you and you crumble. You know you need strength and courage when the trials come and you're like, I don't know if it's God's will. Right? You know when those lies are coming at you and you're like tempted to give up or whatever. What do you need? God is telling you right here in verse 7, like He's telling Joshua, you need strength on the inside. You need strength on the inside. Why do you need strength? He says in the next one, "...only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do." To do. So we all know that obedience is the bottom line. We've got to hear what the Lord is saying and do it. But you know, we don't have... I, I don't think anyone here, honestly, is like, "...I don't want to obey God." Nope, just don't want to obey God. No, I don't think that's your problem. If you're born again, you know... <laughs> Jesus is living inside you. I don't think that's your problem... We're most of the time you talk to somebody like, I don't know how to do it! Or I've tried and I fail! Well, he's telling Joshua exactly how. How? You need strength. Where do I get that? You know, can I buy that? Like, do I go to the Walmart? Buy strength and courage? Where do I get that? How do you do, how do I obey that commandment? Do I do jumping jacks? What do I do? How do I get strong on the inside so that I'm stronger on the inside than everything else on the outside? Listen, so that what I see on the inside is more real than what's on the outside of me. So that God's Word is more true to me than what I'm seeing going on around me. Right? God's love is stronger than that family member who's calling you something bad. God's Pleasures are stronger than the pull of this world's deceptive pleasures. We need strength on the inside. We need something on the inside where we can be like, yeah, nice try. That was a good one. I'm going to go walk with Jesus now. We need something on the inside so that you're in the storm. You're in the storm. You're in the boat and the waves are crashing and you can sleep with Jesus. Because what's on the inside of you is stronger than what's on the outside of you. You are more confident in what God has said to you than the fact that there's wind and waves just going all over the place. We need strength on the inside so that when I'm in the wilderness and I don't see any provision, I am more convinced in God's provision for my life than I am that there's a wilderness all around me. It's more real on the inside. Do you see what I'm saying? We need strength on the inside so that I can look at the giants in the promised land and see something more than the giants. That their protection has left them, and God is on my side. And God made a promise, I'm going to take you out. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you think David just happened to defeat Goliath? Oh, it just happened. It just happened. No, it didn't. He had something on the inside. Listen, confidence, strength, courage is like having a treasure, a wealth in God where you can draw from when you're in those midst of those hard times, those temptations, Whatever. Right, Every person in Israel, all the men, saw Goliath and went, uh, peed their pants, right? David hears the guy and says, Who are you? Where did he get that? Was that just like, well, you know, he just born with that kind of personality and everything. No, he wasn't. He had a history in God. He'd been building up the strength on the inside of him, He'd been gathering spiritual riches, if you will, so that when he saw Goliath, he had something to draw from and say, Now you come at me with sword and spear, but I'm going to come at you in the name of the Lord. How did Peter raise the cripple up in the name of Jesus and by faith in his name? He said, This man was completely made well. How did Goliath, how did David kill Goliath? Was it a little pebble? You really think so? You really think, a little pebble, right? What are you talking about? He said to him, I'm going to cut your head off in the name of the Lord. Right? He fought him in the name of the Lord with words. It was words that killed Goliath. I mean, a little pebble was supernaturally empowered, I guess, through David's words. Where did that come from? How did he have that strength not to crumble in fear like everyone else? Not to crumble when the temptations are on. Where did it come from? I know you want to obey God. Where are you going to get the strength to obey Him? I know you want to believe Him in the storm. Where are you going to get the strength? Listen to what he says in verse 8. I lost my place. That was a bad idea. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night verse 8 he's telling you how to get strong on the inside and he says don't say anything that's not in this book I don't mean like when you come to church and you're like yeah brother blessed be the Lord thou is amen hallelujah like that's all we can talk about I'm not talking about that I'm not talking about being weird no I'm saying over your life how do you perceive what you're going through and how do you talk about what you're going through and what God's going to do in your life. Do your words align with God's Word? He says, don't let this book of law depart from your mouth. You need to say only what this book says. And then he says, meditate in it day and night. Meditate in it day and night. Meditation is how you come into agreement with God and align your words with God's Word. And meditation, listen to me, is the bridge between hearing and doing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, right? You hear the Word preached by people who have faith. It's a seed that goes into your heart. I believe it. But how do you build yourself up so that seed becomes a harvest? How do you build up your spirit so you get strong on the inside so what God said is more true than what you're feeling and thinking and seeing? You've got to meditate. You've got to meditate the Word of God. And God is saying, Joshua, if you will meditate on my word day and night, give yourself to my word and not say anything else than what God says is truth and is reality, he says, then it will release obedience in your life. He says, that you may observe to do, all that is written according to the law, and then you will have good success. Then you will make your way prosperous. What is that? That's much fruit. That's a harvest. God is saying, if you want to see what I want to see done, you've got to come into agreement with me and speak those words. Right? What did the disciples do when they were in the boat? In the storm. Mark chapter 4. The storm comes and they say to Jesus, We're going to die! Don't you care? Don't you like us? Don't you love us? We're going to die! And you know what? I think if Jesus wasn't in the boat, I think they would have died. <laughs> what did Jesus say? Peace. Right? What was in their hearts, fear, fear, came out of their mouth. But what was in Jesus' heart, peace, came out of his mouth. And what happened when he said, peace be still? The storm went still. What about the Israelites? Think about their life. Those of you who know the story. The Israelites come out of Egypt, days after they've come out of Egypt, what are they doing? Grumbling and playing. We're going to die. we got no water. We're going to die. Why would you lead us out here to kill us? Right? Their eyes are on Moses. And his lack of leadership because he didn't produce water like they wanted them to. Grumbling and complaining. Looking to a man instead of God. I mean, think about it here for a second. The Israelites saw the greatest miracles ever. They saw the Red Sea split in half. A wall of water on the left and the right. And they walked through on dry land in the middle of it. They saw God destroy the superpower of the world, Egypt, with plagues. They saw him turn water, bitter water, into sweet water. They saw God rain manna from heaven and send meat, quail, and they ate it. And yet, when they came to the edge of the Jordan, the promised land, 40 years before Joshua 1 was written, that first generation of Israelites, what did they do? Oh, you can't do it. Right, 12 spies went into the land, 12 spies came out. Ten of them said it's a good land, but we can't have it. The giants are too big. We can't do it. We're like grasshoppers. Why? Because what was inside of them was smaller than those giants. They couldn't see what God saw. They didn't perceive their circumstances or their future from the Word of God. They watched miracle after miracle after miracle, but what did they not do? They didn't meditate on it. They didn't feed on the reality. People, oh, if I only believed it, I if only saw it, I'd believe it. No, you wouldn't. They saw the miracles of God. They saw God come through time and time and time again. But what did they not get? They did not get that God is their provider, that God is their warrior, that God is on their side, and that God is going to do this thing. They didn't feed on that. So instead, what did they do? Numbers 13. We're going to die. You brought us out here to kill us. Our kids are going to die. They spoke death over their circumstances. And guess what they got? Death. In Numbers 13, Or 14, God says, you try to use your kids as, I'm paraphrasing, you try to use your kids as a shield. We do that, don't we? Hide from the call of God, blame it on someone else. I can't do it, you know. I provide for my kids. I hide hide from the call of God, right? You try to use your kids as a shield. You said, oh, I'm going to die in this wilderness. So guess what's going to happen? You're going to die in this wilderness. That's exactly what happened. They got what they said. What did Joshua and Caleb say? What are you talking about? This is God's will. God's on our side. We can do it. What did they get? They got the promised land. Right? You reap what you sow. Your words will release life or death. Why is it that Joshua and Caleb were able to do that? Why was David able to do what he did? It's because he fed and meditated on the Word of God. He made the Word of God, the law, His delight every day, all day, meditating on the word of God, and he allowed the reality in this word. This is reality. This is truth. This is who God is. And he caused, he allowed that reality to become his reality, so that that was bigger than what we was going through. Meditation literally just means to to chew the cud. Isn't that a nice image? Isn't that nice? We're cows a cow. That's what the Lord is saying. No, I'm joking. Chew the cud. You know, mo- most people, they come to church, you know, feed me. You know, entertain me. Do you realize what, what this is saying? Do you realize that He says, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. It's not whether or not you just hear the Word of God. Jesus says, it's how you hear it. Are you good soil? But when does the real work of discipleship happen? When when does it really matter whether or not you believe the Word? After church, yeah? <laughs> After you hear the Word. Is it not? Just because someone comes and hears the Word doesn't mean that they're going to get what God has for them. Jesus said, guy who hears it does nothing, he's on the sand. When the trials come, he's going to knock him out. Jesus said, well, guy hears it, but he's on the rocky soil. Don't be mocked. I mean don't, I mean, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, he will reap. You leave church... You go through that whatever you go through and however you respond, I'm going to keep believing God. I'm going to keep saying what God says. That is what will cause you to bear fruit. The real work happens after church. People come to church, feed me, feed me. No, God says chew on it. Chew on it. Somebody feed me. No, God says you chew on it. We've got to learn to be people who meditate like cows. No, I'm joking. We've got to learn to take the Word of God and chew on it over and over and over and over and over and over again. You know, we need to stop being like those weird people who go on those diets that, like, they chew the food and spit it out. That's just weird. That's weird. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Somebody's like, I'm on that diet. No. (laughs) You hear about that? That's weird. They chew it. Mmm, that was good. Spit it out. My goodness. No. Chew on it. Chew on the Word of God. That's how we do it. We come to church and we say... You know, Jesus loves you or, you know, whatever. We take some promise and we go, that was good. That was a good word. And we totally forget about it, don't we? The real work happens after you hear the Word of God. What makes or breaks a disciple of Christ is somebody who's going to hold on to the Word and speak what God speaks. Listen to me, it's, it goes like this. It's a decision in your heart that says, I'm only going to say what God says. If God says in His Word that He loves me, He loves me! So many people, I don't feel like it, but I'm struggling. Now, I, I love this story. One time a, a, a preacher asked this lady, when are you going to believe that you're healed? She said, "Oh, when, I, when I'm healed. He said, no, that's when you know you're healed. That's the same thing I would say to you. When are you going to believe that you have victory over sin? That you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Well, I guess when I, like, I don't struggle anymore. No, that's when you know that you're free. When are you going to believe it? Faith is believing what He said. No matter what. So if the Word says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then you say, then that's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to say anything about me or what I'm going through than what it says in the Word. If He says that I'm righteous, I'm righteous. If it says, by your stripes I am healed, then that's what I'm going to say. That's it. That's it. This is, <clears throat> this is what I do. This is not because I'm a pastor. I'm not a pastor first. You know that. Anyone who knows me, I want Jesus. And I want the fullness of what God has for my life. I have to live it just like you. And I, I take the Word of God and I meditate on it. If I hear a sermon, or, you know, a message, and a. And, uh, and especially those that really hit me. You know, like, man, that was the Lord. I take it and I study it. You know, if I'm really struggling with the, what the person said, I'll, I'll study it to make sure that I own it. You know, it was a joke. I'm a skeptic at heart, right? I'm, a, I'm like, nah, dude, I've got to find out if this is true or not. So I'll go into the Word and I will study it. Oh, but I don't know how to study the Bible. I don't, I don't know all that kind of stuff. I, I, God doesn't speak to me like He speaks to you. What does Ephesians 1 say? Father, I, or I, I, Paul says, I pray that the Father would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would know God. What does Psalm 119 say? Father, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. You've got to pray those prayers over your heart. I don't, it doesn't happen, or it doesn't just happen for me either. Or it just happens for you. You just hear God. No, I don't. It doesn't just happen. I fight for this. Because I refuse to just, like, what, you know, people talk like that. Oh, just, you know, whatever happens in my life, it just, you know, it must be God's will. You know, it must be good. You know, whatever happens, happens. I'm just, I'm cool with it. I roll with it. No! We live in a broken world, full of demons and sinful people. You know, just, just whatever happens, yeah! Yeah, you get more of what you got, right? How's that working for you? No, we've got to, with our God-given authority, demand that the Word of God, that my life align with the Word of God. That what is in this book, the reality of God, happens in my life. And so when I hear a promise that's in the Scriptures, when I see something in the Word of God, I go after it. How do I go after it? I meditate on it. The Word of God has power to change us. Now, I remember a long, long time ago, when the Lord was really dealing with me with things like pride in my life, ambition in my life. What did I do? Well, I tried the condemnation route. doesn't work very well. Right? So what did I do? I took Philippians chapter 2. It's all about humility. It's all about having the mind of Christ. And I know that what is true of Jesus is true of me. I know that if it's in this word, that it has power to change my life. I mean, I believe that more now than I did then. But I understood at least a little bit. And I took it, and I just meditated on it. I read it, and read it, and read it, and read it, Every day. And I prayed it. Oh, Father, God. Oh, Lord, break off selfish ambition and vain conceit off my heart. I don't even know what that is. God, what is that? I don't even know what that is. God, give me insight into this. Father, I ask you to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Show me. God, what's going on in my heart? Show me. I would pray the Word. Meditate the Word. Study it. Read it over and over. It's not like, oh, I did my devotions. Cool, I read that chapter. On to the next one. I heard that message. On to the next one. No. When I would hear a message, I would say... My goodness, if I do that, it'll change my life. I would take it and go after it. And you know what's crazy? Is the Word has so much power. Uh, Jesus says it this way, that uh, the, 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 the ground yields crop all by itself. You know, you plant a seed in there, and whoa would you look at that? You know, you've got to do the watering and stuff, but Jesus said, yeah, ground bears fruit all by itself. You know, when you'll just take the Word and meditate on it, it's amazing. You just give yourself to the Word of God. Go after the Word of God. Meditate that Word. You say, you know what? Man, there's a strategy in that verse for me. Philippians 2, man, I, I have no idea how to be humble. I don't even know what it is. But I obviously, I deal with some sort of pride in my life, ambition, hindering my relationships and my ministry. Man, I want humility. I want to be like Jesus. There's a strategy in there. You don't see it at first. You know, it just looks like some verses. It's just a seed. But man, I know there's a harvest of humility in the. You go after it, you go after it. You know what's crazy? One day you just turn around and go, Would you look at that? There's a harvest. Where'd that come from? Uh, listen to me. In this book, your job is in this book. You need a job? Your job is in this book. Do you believe that? Your freedom is in this book. Your purity is in this book. Your blessing, the fulfillment of your calling, is in this book. Do you believe that? No, because we do everything else other than meditate on this book, don't we? It's in the book. I'm telling you, your word is a light unto my path and a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. Right? There are strategies in the Word of God. I've done this since I was a new believer. It's how I've gotten freedom in every area of my life that I've ever gone after. Not saying I don't have like, not saying 100. Not saying I don't have a lot of things that Jesus need to work on. But I'm doing the same thing as I did then when I was a new believer. Jesus saved me, struggling with lust The Bible said, call upon the name of the Lord You will be saved, I believe If I will call upon the name of the Lord, I will be saved I will be delivered from this I kept crying out to God He showed me in the word of God I am the righteousness of God I am dead and alive to God I said, Okay, I'm going to say that I tried the condemnation thing, it doesn't work Why? Because it's not God's word He's not saying that over you I mean, if the word says you're dead and in sin And you're going to hell, well that's it's true But if the word says, now that you put your faith in Jesus You're born again and you're saved Then that's true now I believe the Word, right? And when I was a sinner, I thought, oh, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus, right? And now I believe the Word. I stand on the Word of God, and, and I remember that as a new believer. Man, I just kept saying, I'm the righteous of God. I'm the righteous of God. You know, I'm dead to sin, alive to God. I've got a victory over sin. God, you said you would set me free, and I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, according to your Word, set me free. Guess what happened? Would well, you look at that free? How did that happen? How did that happen? I'm telling you, I take the word of God. I have not been given the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and sound mind. I have not been given the spirit of fear. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm just not afraid anymore. I mean, I'm not saying I don't struggle with that, because I'm still meditating on that one. <laughs> Got a little bit of fruit. I remember when I was struggling with this stuff so much. I mean, I'm telling you, I was the skeptic. I was doubting. I was hurting on the inside. So mad at God. So offended with so many lies in my heart. And yet I committed my heart in that place of brokenness. Same time I was meditating on Philippians 2. I said, Lord, I'm only going to say what you say. I'm only going to say what you say. And I took the word of God and I began to declare over my heart, you love me. I'm a child of God. I felt like I was like speaking like heresy. You know, you're like scared. And I had a spirit of condemnation on me. It's just, no, you love me. You said, I'm a child of God. And guess what happened? I began to believe it. it began to take root in my heart. And what happened was I began to produce a harvest of good feelings. See, if you wait to feel like you're loved by God, you're ne- it's never going to happen. You've got to stand on His Word, which is truth and reality, and then it will happen. And then I remember years later, I come to church. People say, Man, I don't know what it is about you. You just seem confident. I'm like, well, I didn't really do anything. I did one thing I meditated His Word. If you will meditate on the Word day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night, a little bit goes a long way, too just, a, it's, 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 I'm not going to say anything else but what this word says. Right? Amen? So the real work is going to start when you leave, huh? Some people, they graduate OSL, which is our discipleship program. Yeah, God loves me. Yeah, I did level one. And then the trials start. And the question is, are you going to stand on that word that you b- heard and believed in discipleship? And are you going to choose? No. Nope. I'm still just going to say what God said. I'm still just going to say what God said. And I'm telling you, if you'll change your words, it will change your life. If you'll believe what God's Word says in your heart, and you'll agree with Him in your mat- with your words, it will release that into your life. Am I saying it's quick and easy and you're not going to go through the storms? No, I'm saying in the storm. That's what will calm that storm. Let's stand up. Let's respond to the Lord.